Welcome to the Breaking Through with Apollo podcast, hosted by Greg and Thomas Beckers. We're here to give you an inside look on the entertainment industry through the lens of an actor and a manager, and we're here to help you break through in your own career. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breaking Through with Apollo. We have a special guest here today, Andrea Bunker, who's been involved in casting We Are Who We Are, Men in Black International, the TV show Four Weddings and a Funeral, Big Little Lies, and much, much, much more. Has a lot on her plate, obviously. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. So we'll start a little bit with something before we get to all the main questions. And we'll talk a little bit like we've been doing about Corona and kind of the effect that it's had on you and kind of how you're dealing with it. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I mean, the effect that the Corona has had on me personally, I think it's just the unknown career-wise, like everybody, um, hearing about the new extension and just kind of when, you know, on the casting front, like when is production going to seek casting directors to jump in and start realistically attaching people? Um, and then I can only imagine for actors, it's, you know, the unknown of when are projects going to start casting. Uh, so on the career front, just so much of the unknown and really just picking up opinions here and there and with articles, but nothing seems too guaranteed yet for this year. Um, and then personally, really just taking it day by day and binge watching a ton of shows. <laughs> I am, I started this um, project I did where I was having a lot of, a ton of actors. I put it out there on my Instagram for people to just send me their reels. Oh, cool. um, new, new actors or even anyone that I personally know who, if I just haven't seen their reel in five years. Um, I was expecting like 500 people or something. I, I really didn't have a big following. I'm not huge, huge on social media. And so I made my page unprivate and I was like, tag your friend, let them know. Um, I've received 10,000 emails. <laughs> That's a lot. That's like a, a full-time job right there. Uh, it has been. It's, it's taken me a while. Um, so I ended up putting a, you know, a deadline on it. And with the deadline, I guaranteed to, um, to respond after reviewing to 6,500 or 6,800 emails. So I've been working through that. I've gotten past 3,000, so I'm halfway. Out <laughs> um, oh, of curiosity, how long did it take to get halfway? Uh, almost a month. Oh, yeah. Wow. Damn. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's a lot of like sometimes it requires downloading, or sometimes, you know, I really have a note for someone, so it takes more time to like structure that email. Um, but for the most part, people, you know, know what they're doing. And then I just kind of click and go and say, thank you and move on. So th those are the great ones. Those I move on quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nice. That's nice that you're doing that. Is that kind of because also just to get to know more actors and, and because it, also enjoy it? It's been so beneficial for me because the way I learn about new actors really is when I'm actively casting and I'm looking for parts to fill. I meet so many new people that way. Um, so since I haven't been actively doing that for a few months, this way, I, I started a whole database um, where I've been jotting down all of the highlights and it's well over, it's like at 600 new people who are I'm working, who are ready, like they're real, even if it's like a self tape because they don't have a real, like the, the performance is so good and I've just never heard of them. So I've been inserting those highlights into like a separate database to keep track of. That's super cool. And that's also something we noticed that we've been interviewed a bunch of cast directors over the last couple of weeks now, and they've all really just taken so much time out of their day to like give people a shot to be, have their work seen. Um, and it's just like, I mean, thousands of emails. I, don't, I can't even imagine 
how much time it would take to get through all that. But I mean, I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think that's really awesome you doing that. Yeah, it's so great. You know, so many actors are so, so grateful for it. And I wanted to make it clear to them too, that it's just like you, you're helping me too. You know, you're helping me build a database and you're making my job easier by having new faces and more strong yeah. go-to people to refer to. Um, so it's a win-win for everybody, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I want to actually, before I get to that next question, when you were looking at these, what's like the type of things that stick out to you? Like, um, just like oh, I love this scene or I love this look or like, what, what do you kind of look for, I guess? Yeah, what's really awesome is um, because I'm not thinking of a particular role at all. So I'm really kind of just looking at the whole package. And the number one thing is, of course, is the acting. Like, right. as soon as I see that first scene, like, sometimes, you know, within 15 seconds, I'm like, who is this? You can just tell. You're like, wow, like, they're just solid. And then I'll click through and watch more scenes in their reel if they have more. And when it's just solid across the board, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to have so much range. If, if they just play one solid thing consistently well every time, that's what makes me perk up. I'm like, who is this? Um, and so if that especially, and then sometimes there are people that have that, but they just feel so, I don't want to sound rude, but kind of like forgettable, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, like yeah. there isn't anything that pops. They're just, they're really good actors and they deliver and they, they're reliable. You can tell, um, but there's just nothing that pops with them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take note of them, but the ones I get excited about are, you know, they're a little, they're interesting and they have something like a different quality or they speak various languages or stuff like that. Well, I'd like to ask yeah. you, if you, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the same question. Yeah, so. I'm about to, yeah, I'm about to say the same question, but <laughs> I want to backtrack about something you just said when you're looking at the reel and you actually like that it doesn't always have to show a huge range, but if they're doing their thing really well, that that's even better because I think sometimes actors and, and I notice because a lot of my actors talk about this they're mm -hmm. like oh, I want to show my range and I want to just do you think I should add this to show more range and show this and it's like it, and you're saying kind of like that's not always true and it's not always a good thing it's, a, it's sometimes just better to like double down on what you're good at for sure and I think it takes your acting coach your agent manager it, it takes people to help you realistically gauge what you can do strongly because um, I think I think when the reel has so much range um, sometimes it feels so forced you know you can yeah. tell this isn't their strong suit they just want to do it to say they can um, and it's not really beneficial because you know if, if someone's just not the nerdy tech type but they have that scene that they did with a friend to force that vision on you and it just doesn't feel right, right it, it's just what's the point you know like it's um, if it's just not you, it's not you, but you know, there, and then there are definitely some people where I'm just like, wow, they, so I think it just, you know, like, like, yeah. I'm sorry, what was that? I think we froze for a second. Yeah, actually. Um, one second, I think our, our connections, uh, here's why we have the backup. Um, <laughs> but another question I want to ask, what do you think that thing is that makes an actor pop when he does a, a tape or an audition or I know it's kind of a vague question and super subjective, but what is it for you that makes them pop? I don't think it's, you know, there are no tricks to it. There are no, there's like no secret code to what makes you pop. It's literally just the acting for me. Um, yeah. For me, that's all it is. Like if I see footage of someone that 
you know, it just doesn't have a reel yet and they're still working towards building it, but they say, this is what I can do. And it's, you know, an old self tape or something that they have handy that they're so proud of that speaks volumes. Like I've met people that way where I'm like, who is this person? Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll gravitate towards that much more than someone who sends me a reel where they have, you know, five network scenes back to back and they're just fine, you know? Um, so it re really is just like the acting. And I've also been so lucky to work on so many projects where we have time to really search for people. Um, I've never truly experienced the quick, fast turnaround, come in today, wardrobe tomorrow, you know what I mean? And I think, I think in those situations, it, that really is where you, you have to focus more on logistics. You have to focus on, okay, this person's booked this many co-stars and you know, the reel has all of these guest star scenes yeah. because you have less of a chance to take a risk, if that makes sense, you know? Um, so I do yeah. see how, you know, with me, I have more chances in the stuff that I've worked on. We have more time and we have more chances when I bring someone in I have those extra time slots to try someone out you know um so I think that's where yeah. it differentiates with film and tv a little bit is tv you only have so many time slots to see people so much time to see people so you have to be more, more selective um and yeah. and you yeah so I think just the idea of having people come in that you know have those it's just a um safety net I guess you know if that makes sense that, that makes sense yeah, that makes complete sense. And like something from what you said there, when you do the thing like sometimes where you bring in people that maybe you know is not right for that part specifically, but that you kind of just want to see them, do you do that? Because the reason I ask is because sometimes, you know, you have actors and they get called in for an audition. And they're like, ah, uh, I don't see myself as this part or the looks not really me at all, but yet they called you in. Like, is there, is that like, what's kind of the thinking there sometimes? No, um, I never bring someone in for a part where I don't think that they would be in any way right for that particular part. So okay. sometimes actors and agents don't really know the conversations that are happening behind the breakdown release. Yeah. So sometimes by the time we release the breakdown, it has this, this um, description. There's, you know, later that afternoon, we have that extra phone call with the director or producer that just tweaks it a little bit where it's like, you know, the breakdown we released is the go-to essence of what we want. And then sometimes just like little details will pop up where we're just like, okay, we can, let's explore more on this. But that's something we do internally. Mm. So when an actor, when an actor gets an audition or, you know, the description just isn't perfect to them, I really wouldn't have an actor, like, it's fine to ask sometimes, you know, but um, there is a purpose for it for sure. And it's, you, it's always for that part. Um, so yeah, even though it doesn't feel, and I wouldn't compare, actors shouldn't compare to what they see in the waiting room because they'll see people that fit the description so much more than they do, but right. they could easily snag the part because in our heads, we're thinking we're also looking for, you know, like this is also a strong possibility for this part. So I think just trusting the process um, and just going in there and doing it. So even if we felt like it was a mistake, we're just like, ah, we thought this would work, but it was so wrong for this part. If you just deliver in the room, we will remember. Like we remember good people. I feel like that's, I feel like that's really good for actors to hear because they do get, like sometimes they get into head, they're like, ah, I don't fit that breakdown exactly. But like you're saying, 
internally you don't know what's going on behind the scenes like there could be mm -hmm. different things that they decide oh actually we want to do this but you didn't change the breakdowns so you don't know what's going on internally so for an actor it's, in my eyes it's always been simple and i tell my actors this all the time like if they're calling you in it's for a reason mm -hmm. that's all you absolutely. have to know absolutely definitely know? yeah and i'd rather and we selected you to come in so the best you can do at that point is just come in do the best work you can do and I, I wouldn't really, I, it's very, very small. I can think of maybe one or two times where an agent's like, hey, my actor felt like they didn't make sense for this. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's been one time where I'm just like, why do they feel that way? And then I, I look at it and I'm like, you know what, you are right. Let me keep, keep them in mind for something else, but let's not bring them in for this part. That mm -hmm. has happened, but at the end of the day, if that agent didn't place that call and that actor came in, I think it's only going to help them to be seen, you know? Sending their work, yeah. Yeah, so I really, I wouldn't second guess it. If casting, you know, wants to see you, just, yeah, come in and do it and don't feel insecure in any way. Just own it. If it says, you know, tall, lanky, skinny guy and you're a short, chubby guy, like, just come in and kill it <laughs> and just do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's such good advice. And I feel like I almost permanently have to remind my actors all the time about that because mm -hmm. they're, they're always like, oh, I don't know if this is fit. I don't know. Like, is this good for me? And I'm like, yes, they want to see you. Like they want to see you. They're not just by chance just saying, Hey, yeah, you come in for no reason. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit and uh, actually hear a little bit of kind of how you got into casting and then also kind of, I guess where you wanted to go, like what's kind of more dream projects or kind of, of the project you really are more interested in now sure yeah so I started so I moved out here specifically to do acting and that was my mission my goal and um, I knew pretty I had zero connections to the industry at all like no relationships whatsoever so I learned about actors access and the acting class I, I studied with uh, Leslie Kahn and Ivana Chubbuck I learned all about that from googling <laughs> and yeah. um, and through it I don't know I, I met so many people who I still talk to to this day who became dear friends and I just knew pretty quick um, I would say within that year that it wasn't for me you know, when I book, when I started booking jobs and I started getting things, my, it sounds horrible to say, but my initial thought, instead of being excited about booking it, I was thinking, really? Like there's no one else out there that's better. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt like there's always just that perfect person for it. I never felt like it was me and being in front of the camera. So it was a very, very easy decision for me to not, to feel good and say, I tried it. It's not for me. Um, yeah. And, and it's then, good that you found that out early on. Like you found that out pretty fast. I'm so happy that, yeah, I, I paid very close attention to how I was feeling throughout the process because I didn't want five, six years to go by and be like, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Yeah. You know? Um, and I also had like my relationships back at home in Vegas. So every day that I was away counted and I needed to make sure that it was towards like my ultimate dream and goal. And um, yeah. so, but actually, um, when I was already feeling that way, my thought was to just move back home. I entered into this festival and I got chosen for a raffle to have lunch with a casting director. And um, yeah, it was very, very bizarre. It was like everybody that attended this festival, they were in this raffle. Yeah. And random. <laughs> so random. I don't win things like that at all. <laughs> and, and I did. They, gave, they got me the call and they're like, you're chosen. So I had lunch with, uh, her name is Renita. She did a lot of music videos and commercials. And 
Um, so I had lunch with her at the event and she was so lovely. And that was my introduction to the profession of casting. I've never, ever thought of anything outside of acting. You know, I think it was just never a conversation I've had. I've never considered being a DP or agent or anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, I got excited about that. The more I, I ended up asking her more questions about what she does <laughs> than talking about myself. Um, and then shortly after that, within that week, I reached out to her. And I told her, like, I want to, I want to transition out of acting. It's, it's not for me. And um, to, after talking to you, this sounds like the perfect thing what for me. Do it. Like, what drew you to casting? What made you say that that's for me right there? Um, I think the part that the audition process. Mm -hmm. You know, I my my this sounds bizarre too, but my favorite part of acting was the audition process. Um, even so many actors hate that process. I loved it. It's it, I just wanted to go in there and kill it, but I didn't want the job. <laughs> I loved. <laughs> you're like loved, the opposite of all the actors that you were like. Because once I was like, ah, oh, the audition process necessary evil. Get through and then be on set, and that's where I want to be. Oh yeah, no, I hated being on set and actually filming. <laughs> um, so that that was a huge part of it, just being able to be in that environment, being in the industry. I just love movies. I'm like, I want to be in it in some capacity, but I had no idea how. And then um, I think I just have this weird knack for like administrative work with ca casting kind of falls into it. Like I have this visual addiction to like having my coffee and my desk and my computer, <laughs> you know? Uh, random question, but have yeah. you taken the Myers-Briggs thing? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm curious what your personality test would be on that. Cause it's, it's, it's literally it's like puts you in these categories of like what you're good at and what you're naturally drawn to. And it's, it's funny because like you seem to know exactly what you like and what you enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd love to take that and see where things land. I'm probably so wrong about myself, <laughs> but um, it was enough for me to pivot completely. Everyone was like, what do you, are you sure? What are you doing? You know, um, and it just felt a hundred percent right. So I completely cut off from the acting, jumped right into, oh, so I emailed Renita and told her I wanted to switch over and she was wonderful and, um, took me in. So I started working with her, um, and loved it. And it was probably the most chaotic thing ever. Cause it was with commercials. It was so quick. Yeah. Um, so I knew, I was like, okay, I'm really already enjoying this. And then after a while, I decided to transition into movies and film, started interning, but it was hard because not a lot of offices at that time and still today, they don't do it for like, you, you have to do it for school credit for the most part. Yeah. So having to find those offices that would just take me in, you know, for no credit, just free work. I'm like, I'll do it. I just want to meet I people. I heard it's really hard to get into. I heard like internship or working for free is basically the way to get in. It is. And understandably offices, you know, don't want to support that. And I get it. But when you're, when you're in the position that I was in, that's what I had to really count on. Um, because I didn't have the experience for anyone to immediately pay me to do the work, you know? Um, so I, I interned full time at like three different offices and, um, and then I started to, I had, I had filmmaker friends that were doing their first short or feature and, um, I started casting those. So I was like the casting director on all of these low ultra low budget projects and it kept going, you know, the, the DP of this movie, of this project that I worked on, I just started getting all these emails like, will you do my project and my, and all of a sudden I became this casting director to all of these films. And um, I don't know, I started to feel stuck in that world. 
I didn't, I felt stuck. Like I wasn't growing budget wise. And I was like, how do I get into studio network stuff? And I had a really nice conversation with Laura Adler at CSA because I wanted to join CSA and she, I just didn't qualify even though I had all these casting director credits. Um, so she was just like, listen, with casting, there's really kind of just like a stepping stone. You know, you assist, you associate, you, and then you eventually like grow on your own. Um, so, I mean, without that conversation, I wouldn't have met David. I was just like, okay, let me stop what I'm doing and backtrack. Um, and then David Rubin was looking for an assistant. And that's when I applied in 2012 or 2013. So. Yeah, it's such a, that's an interesting because I, I always wondered, like, how do people, like, let's say you want to be a casting director. Like, I always wondered what the path kind of is because it's not like you just apply for the casting director job. You know, you, 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 from it sounds like you have to get in almost basically for free because it's a smaller world. It really is, mm -hmm. you know, and then you have to get through that and work your way step by step, really. There's also no school for it or anything either, which is, which is in hindsight, thinking about it, you're not the first person that mentioned that, like, there's no degree for becoming a casting director or anything. So it's one of those things, like, how do you get in? Like, how do you learn it just by doing, I guess? That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. A lot of, you know, my interning, I learned everything about deal memos and trailers. What's a triple banger and things like that. I learned like the lingo. And um, then especially after being an assistant and as an assistant, we were working on with David, you know, Fox Searchlight, Fox. And so I really kind of learned more of the lingo and the deal terms and the process. Um, so that was really, that, that really is kind of the best way. There's a million ways, obviously, to become successful. There's people I know who just had that amazing producer friend and the producer friends like you like actors you're interested like do you want to cast this movie and then there are casting directors who started off with that huge first bang and they yeah. just go from there but that was not my story <laughs> like I really had to start from nothing no I think I think your story is almost more the one that is one that you can actually apply you know, mm -hmm. if, if you're someone that wants to go into casting, you can apply what you've done. I don't think you can just be like with the other one. You can't be like, oh, I hope a producer picks me up. It's like, you know. Yeah. No, for sure. It's not, it, it doesn't feel as inspiring. It feels more intimidating. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, so what do you like to do like now? Like what kind of projects are kind of your favorite projects to cast? Do you have a genre that you like or is it like TV? film what do you like I do I, I'm pretty open I don't want to limit myself too much but like actors casting directors can tend to if, if you're not careful with your selections you can tend to get typecast yep. as a casting director um, I, you know I, and I don't want to be typecast I don't want to only do comedy I don't want to do horror I don't you know um, my go-to my wheelhouse where I feel so good about is like slice of life gritty stories you know um, I really, those are my favorite movies growing up, really. Like Aaron Brockovich is one of my favorite movies. Um, so I, I love just like real people and small town faces and, you know, that's, that's really my go-to, but I had so much fun, like working on Lemony Snicket where we had to find bubbly yeah. heightened charactery actors. Like that was a blast. It was one of my favorite processes. Um, so I would never want to not do that. Um, but I, I would say my go-to, my, my soft spot is like slice of life indie. Like I would have loved to work on Moonlight. I love Apocalypto. Like I love um, Beast of No Nations, one of my favorite movies. Um, Beast of No Nations, yeah. Fantastic movie. You saw it, yeah. Yeah. It's so, so good. And But then I love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and The Truman Show is one of my favorite movies and Step Brothers too. <laughs> <laughs> the Truman Show is great. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I would have been thrilled to work on any of those too. Um, so it just depends. I think it depends on the content. But. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I guess we'll see when we can start working again now. Um, do you have anything that you're excited about? I don't know if you were in the middle of casting already something. Is, is there something that you were working on that you were excited about just before this Corona thing hit? I was on two projects and um, was just hired and then had to go into quarantine. Um, so one of them completely, it was supposed to film in Belgium, actually, um, Belgium and yeah, and New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and I can't say the producer's name, but it's like a huge, sure. huge person. Um, so I was so excited to tackle that. Um, that's just not even in conversation right now anymore. Um, and then the other project is an independent film that's slated to film in Tijuana and um, here in LA. So the travel situation's up in the air, but I'm still on it and we're still working towards attaching the leads um, with hopefully a September start date, but everybody knows that's, you know, playing it by ear. Yeah. What do you um, think is going to happen with a lot of the projects now? Do you think it's going to be in some limited capacity, they'll start up again and a bunch of different measures? Do you think it's going to be another 12 months when a vaccine comes out like do you see it going anywhere i'm staying hopeful for september um i think you know i know in australia they started filming and they're using that series neighbors as um kind of something to watch to see how they're functioning yeah um so i know I, so i just don't know they're 100 percent going to be a lot of measures taken i've heard about you know, placing cast and crew, quarantining them together for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, they would have to be big budget studio things to be able to afford doing that and putting them in the hotels. Well, that's, that's my question about it because it's like with the measures that they're talking about, like daily testing, two week quarantine, all this type of stuff, which is safe and it's, that's smart. But on the other hand, who's going to be able to afford that outside of the big ones? Right. I yeah. So for indie films and for independent films, I just don't know um i it's gonna be like i i which is true i've heard it's gonna be hard for these independent films to get that insurance coverage you know because there's just so many risk factors involved and i i think it would have to be taking you know sanitizing wearing masks all of that into account being mindful of the type of scenes you're putting together um and then almost i am imagining kind of having everybody sign something and saying you know this is my response like, a waiver <laughs> <laughs> if something happens to me it's my fault <laughs> and so i do see you know maybe everybody just getting tested proving that they're negative and then from there everyone wearing masks taking careful uh, precautions and really making it everyone's individual responsibility to just stay safe when you're not on set quarantine and if you're feeling anything at all, you have to report it, you know? Um, that's how I imagine it might have to start with the independent film. But um, yeah, yeah, it's... Even thinking about the filming in general, I just realized too, like you, you're gonna have to limit locations too. Like the project you talked about that was gonna be around here and then also in Belgium, you won't be able to do stuff like that easily anymore because anything that requires travel, airplane, yeah. It's going to be yeah. so hard to do. So almost like it's going to have to change how they do the scenes, like you were saying, and even some of the plots and everything, because they're probably going to have to be way more one location. Definitely. Yeah. Even the one that I'm doing. So the other one that's not even in conversation anymore, that was Belgium and New Mexico. And then this one I'm actively on, it's um, LA and Tijuana. 
So we're already talking about can we do it all in LA, you know? And then they're thinking, okay, maybe, but maybe LA and Atlanta instead. So already trying to kind of coordinate, you know, change, change scenes even. And I hadn't even thought about that part of it to just like, even outside of just starting again, even when it starts, it could be at least a year before they're allowed to do locations and things like that. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. So I've really, I've I've talked to the producer. I'm like, what are you hearing? And I've talked to some people I know at HBO and here and there, and just nobody has that answer yet. So no one knows. That's, that's the tricky part. That's just, no one knows you like followed and like I saw, I'm sure you saw LA. They were just talking about that. This stay at home thing might get extended till July or something. Mm -hmm. When I saw that, I was just like, what? Through July. So August. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. It'll definitely alter the industry. And like, I think it, like you're saying in some permanent ways, it could really change some things because there's going to be people that honestly, some companies that are not going to be able to survive through it. You know what I mean? No. I think the sad part to me is it's just a lot of the little projects are probably going to be the first one to kind of quote unquote die off in a sense. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's too harsh of a word, but you know, they don't have the big budget budgets like the studios do. So all these like great indie films and these independent filmmakers trying to get their breaks, they're now going to be maybe more reliant on the studio systems again or, or some of the bigger companies. So I guess it'd be interesting It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what comes out because obviously we're dealing with the negative first because that's usually how it goes. But usually out of like these type of things, innovation happens too. So it's like, it'll be interesting to see what kind of beautiful things on the other hand can come out of it. What kind of original content that we're not expecting that mm-hmm. could come out of it. Absolutely. I wish I, I paid more attention to this article that I came across. And I when I find it again, I'll share it with you guys to also share with your clients and stuff. But it was it was actually a very uplifting about the independent world. Um, okay. It really was, yeah. And it was mostly kind of about how the big wigs are going to be more affected and how a lot of people, especially huge agents, are kind of uh, they're transferring over to being independent producers and managers and then that's going to be a very kind of creative independent way of them supporting work to get things flowing so it was it was a very like optimistic strong stance on um the benefits that the independent world is actually going to see from this i I mean i completely agree i mean if you just look throughout history we always always great innovation comes out of like trying times basically and obviously this this is like a hopefully once in a lifetime type of event but this one's like a little bit different than let's say a recession or something. But mm-hmm. like back when we had the recession, 08, like so many good things came out of that in terms of like Airbnb came out of that, Uber came out of that, Instagram. Yeah, those absolutely. Are like, those three or just those three alone have kind of changed the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting now, even definitely in the movie industry for us to see what comes out of it. And like you're saying, I'd lo- definitely send that article if you find it, because I'd love to read about that because I hadn't even thought about like how it would be better for independence than it could be for big studios. And maybe you never know, maybe we're going to get a couple of Zoom movies going on where just people are on Zoom and it becomes a whole plot story, you know? Like <laughs> exactly. Track. Let's hope not, because I don't know if I could watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you do with him more than me. <laughs> uh, anyway, switching gears a little bit completely. Um, when you're bringing in someone to audition, like let's say you're making your selections out of the submissions, like what do you look for and kind of what's your process there? Because I know every casting works a little bit different. Like some really just scan through for headshots. 
and go headshots first. Some look at the reels of the ones who are interested first. Everyone's a little bit different, it seems like. Um, definitely headshot, you know, not, and not so much that it needs to be this like amazing thing, but um, the headshot obviously just kind of tells me that I'm going in the right direction a little, you know, of who's real I'm going to watch. So yeah, for sure. Um, the headshot and then the reel is like the ultimate for me. I don't even really look at resume too much. Um, so if the reel is solid, I'll just like, let's try them out and I'll, I'll bring them in. And even when they come in the room, I haven't collected headshots in so long, but when I did, I still wouldn't even look at their resume until after they left. Um, cause it, to me, I started to learn through experience and over and over again that it didn't matter. I'd see people come in with like just stacks of credits from, you know, all these network shows and stuff. And I'm like, and I remember I'd be like, wow, I can't wait to meet them. And then they come in and it's just, so I only care about what they do in the room and they just don't deliver sometimes. And then there's the person that comes in and they kill it. They're just so fantastic. And then when they leave, I look at their resume and they've like done nothing. And I'm like, right. wow. So I started to just learn. I'm like, I don't need, I just want to pay attention to what they do in the room. And mm -hmm. then, and then depending if, you know, if they were great, then I'll look at the resume to just see, you know, what well, they do. I think that's, that's, that's great. Great. That's a very fair process and, and better for the actors, to be honest. Um, but with the, when you're looking at the reel, for example, I know I've heard different things about this. Like, how do you prefer it to look like? Like, I know there's this trend to like do all these little clips of specific character types. That's one way. One is just a big speed reel, another is drama and comedy. Is there a preference that you have? Um, for me, it is uh, the, the separation of comedy and drama and yeah. just doing that. And then if you happen to have, you know, a reel where of you playing, uh, playing the cop or the detective, and then that's, that's the part you're being submitted for, I don't know. That's just, okay, let's scratch that. For me personally, I only care about drama, comedy, like having a separate link for those things. And then if yeah. the role requires singing, if you have like a singing reel, if you have a stand-up reel, if you have, you know, a hosting, if we're looking for an anchor hosting reel or, you know, um, th those are the ones I gravitate towards to select depending on the part that I'm casting and the, the tone of the film. It's, it's been interesting to hear that because like, I feel like there's, I don't know where it came, came from but there was this thing that a lot of actors thought and that they should have these individual clips and that that's more important than having like just one like drama reel and one comedic reel so that they can exact type but everyone like uh, talking to you and someone else as well last week they all say the exact opposite they're like uh the, the types are okay but like it's yeah. fine as a boner kind of thing it's but just it's like, it seems like it's just oh, two reels like drama comedy good to go yeah it becomes too much when when I see six links, mm. it's frustrating. Like I just just give me one to go, and then within that reel, I will personally click through each scene, and until I see what I'm looking for. So that's what I personally do. Um, and then I I could see how it's beneficial, to, you know. I mean, it just makes the process quicker for a casting director. But if I'm looking for a detective, it's helpful to provide your your drama reel. And then if you happen to have a separate link that says detective on True Blood episode five, you know, have that as a separate link, then that could be helpful. I'd be like, okay, let me watch that really yeah, quick. Cause that's so spot on. But it's not, yeah, it's not like a must. That's just a small thing. If you happen to have it, sure it's helpful. But at the end of the day, I just want the drama comedy. Yeah. And something else that you mentioned earlier and that I've also been hearing is that 
you prefer you'd prefer if they have like a really good self tape on their reel instead of just like manufacture okay scene that they paid for whatever you know what I mean? yeah i would be mindful with that approach too because i did have someone who i gave that advice to um the the reel just really wasn't it was like two scenes that were really poor um mm -hmm. and and i so i told him i was like do you happen to have a real i mean do you happen to have a self-tape that you're so proud of that just highlights you the best as an actor and your acting chops I'm like, sometimes that's more beneficial than sharing, you know, that, that those two scenes. And he ended up kind of cutting together a reel of self tapes. It was like back to back. It was like six self tapes. And I was like, no, that's not what I meant, you know? And so just being mindful of that. Cause and then I think that just seems to, it, it's not promoting yourself in a smart way. And it, it didn't show care. Like, I mean, there's no way you loved all those self tapes that much, <laughs> you know? So really just picking that one, picking that one, you know, self-tape clip or monologue clip, just picking that one that you really feel like promotes you and highlights your chops the best. Um, either sometimes it's that link alone, if that's all you have, um, or you can do it as a separate link in addition to a reel. But I'm personally not into seeing it within the reel you know not not seeing the self tape in the reel no no i'm personally not when i start when i see like the produced work in a reel and then it goes into a self tape it's it's a little bizarre i don't know i i would just keep it as a separate additional clip you know mm -hmm. um but what about, yeah. what about if you don't have enough material for a like a speed reel like maybe like uh, like let's let's talk about maybe like a more developmental actor where they haven't really done anything on network TV or, or something that's really good material to put on there. And they maybe have like a student film that's whatever quality. And then they paid some company to do like three scenes. That's also like meh about it. Like in that case, what do you do? You know what I mean? Um, at, you know what? At the end of the day, it's the acting. I've, I, when I look at a reel and I start telling someone, oh, the quality's bad. The actor you're playing opposite is really poor. They're holding you back. Um, you know, when I start looking at that stuff, it starts to almost feel like excuses in a way because, because I, I, I truly do, I feel that way. And then when I start to look at what is, what is making their real weak, I'll all of a sudden come across a reel that has all of those same issues, an actor playing opposite really weak actors, bad quality, you can tell, you know, and that actor still pops that actor through every scene. And, and it, if anything, I'm more impressed. I'm like, wow, they have so much like stacked against them <laughs> and they're still, they're doing their own part to shine in every scene and they're consistently a good actor. So I do see past that, you know? So if it's a student film, it's poor quality and all of that, it doesn't matter. Cause, and if any, like I said, I get more impressed when they have all those horrible things against them and they still are just solid in their performance. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so what I'm kind of hearing too is just like, make sure that, and this seems like common sense, but it's not that common in this industry always, is that only put on the stuff where your acting is really showcased at the highest level that you can perform it at. Pops, yeah. And not be so obsessed with just showing as much as possible or 100%. showing as much as possible. I Everyone totally, I agree with that. And I think people forget and I, I understand, you know, the idea of I need to show how much I've done to show that I've been doing things. I get that. But 
at the end of the day, if it doesn't benefit you and doesn't showcase you in the heart, like the best way, don't put it on there. Use, use all of those credits and bookings. Use that as experience to just highlight your best work. You know, don't show your process. Don't showcase it. Just showcase the best stuff. Um, I mean, I even apply it to myself. You know, I've cast so many things that I don't have existing anywhere in the world <laughs> credit wise because I use those as experiences and I used it as, you know, I've created relationships to do those jobs, but it's not like the proudest work, you know, that I've done of my, myself. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's in a way, but it's helped me become a better casting director. It's helped me be, book these other jobs. So I think actors need, should apply that to their reel too, is, you know, you don't have to showcase everything you've ever done. Use that to build yourself, but yeah, keep your reel just to the best. Yeah, it's really the calling card. Like the reel yeah, gets you in the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear because I I have noticed that there is an obsession with like and and it comes from all angles is to show as much as possible. But what I'm hearing too is like you don't want to give reasons not to come in. For you know sure. I mean? Yeah. Um, that's happened too. Like, and like I said, I've been lucky where I've worked on things where I can take a chance on people. So when I look yeah. at a reel and someone's the scene start just getting so questionable and I'm like, uh, I've been in a position where I can just still I have time to say, let's try them out and let's see what they do in the room. But not every office doesn't have that time. So why risk it? You know, why plant that seed in the casting director? That's like, you know, I don't know. They're not very consistent. I don't know if, you know, they, they want to go with more of like the solid yeah. performers cause they don't have much time. Um, but yeah, I, w I would say I always, my go-to phrase with the reel is quality over quantity. That's what I say. Yeah. Now I got a little follow up question on that. Like, and just maybe like a hard question to answer in a way, but like, let's say again, it's a starting actor somewhere in the beginning and they really maybe have two clips that are good. Like the rest is just mediocre or it's whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if one of them's a self-tape, maybe one's a scene, that's all they have. Is it like still better to just have those two things up and that's it and nothing else? Yep, I think so. I've um, I've met people who just had one self-tape clip. And that's it. Just one self-tape clip and it was just a fantastic performance and I remember them to this day. Um, wow. One particular actor i'm sure he wouldn't mind it's a compliment so i don't think he would mind that i say his name but um his name is travis tope and he it was that situation where his manager was like i have this kid i think he's brilliant and you know could you please take a look at his tape and my boss at the time david rubin and i looked at it and it was just him doing a self-tape you know black backdrop and it was it was even the odd video a little bit because it was so dark and mysterious looking but it didn't matter because his performance was just like, wow, this, wow. you know, he's special. And um, that was it. That's all he had to his name. And then when he was in LA, we were just like, yeah, we want to meet him. We want to get to know him. Um, and now he's, you know, he's been doing great. He's booked Boardwalk Empire. He was in that new uh, Independence Day movie and he's doing his thing. He's, you know, so it just, it, I can't stress enough how far it goes to just keep working on your craft and stop stressing about all the technical things of how should my reel look and should I have a montage and you know, my self tape, my light is too bright or like, don't worry about those things. Like just stress more on like the craft aspect of it. Yeah. So with that being said, do you think, especially amidst all the stuff going on, do you think everything is going to change more towards self tapes permanently after this? 
I can't say permanently, but I feel like, yeah, I can, I mean, for sure for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. I, I do see it all being self tapes when things pick up. I can see that happening into next year too. And then may, maybe I can see things starting with pre-reads, all self tapes, and then having callbacks when it's just more of a smaller group. Yeah, when we have it really narrowed yeah, down, do you having those like you in person. From self tapes? Yeah, as much as oh. like in person. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it holds equal weight. Um, the only thing with the in-person really the luxury is casting getting to really see their personality you know yeah um that's a huge benefit uh and then in the room if we have a strong note direction being able to just do it right there on the spot and work with them and tweak it um so we do lose that luxury but it's just going to be more steps for us you know what once we yeah. we're pretty much just going to probably put out this the pre-tape request and then once we start seeing a ton of readings we'll narrow down to the strong actors and then from there, we either might want to request like a interview clip where they can just kind of talk about themselves. And that's a way to generally kind of get a sense of their personality. Um, yeah. And then when we narrow down even more, we'll have, you know, maybe we, it would lead to like a Skype or a Zoom session to really kind of get more of a personable approach um, yeah. in, ad in addition to more scenes. But yeah, it, it's it's already a process we've all kind of gone through, so it'll be a, it'll be a switch for casting as well to have to adjust to self tapes from the start. But um, you know, we I think we have pretty. I there's there's a process in place already. You know, I've had to do a lot of self tapes, and if we see something in someone but they just didn't get it right with the tone or whatever it was, we literally call them. We'll have their agent coordinate a call and have them call me. And I'll give them notes for redirect, mm -hmm. and then they'll just retape. So that would be the process. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I feel like we have, we have so much now to technology for it, and I think self tapes have been happening more and more anyway before this. That it won't be that won't be such a hard adjustment as it could have been a couple of years ago. Yeah, it'll it'll really just be more steps for casting and for yeah. actors for actors to have to retape and tape and stuff for sure so it'll be an adjustment period for everybody but um I don't think it'll be harder you know and even when actors come in the room I would still re-watch everything mm. um when actors come in I would note the ones that were a maybe or like a definite yes <clears throat> and I'll re-watch them anyway so no right. matter how lovely they were in the room no matter how funny they were in the room like you know after before they're reading it doesn't get them the job because then I, I rewatch the tape and I just focus on their scene yeah. and then yeah. some then sometimes in the room I get I do get blinded sometimes in the room because I'm like they were so charming and so sweet yeah. they're so great and then I rewatch the tape later I'm like oh like they're just not really like as strong as I thought or they're you know um so, so with self-tapes and then within the room at the end of the day it comes down to the work on camera um yeah. so that wouldn't change yeah. That makes sense. And to kind of to kind of change uh, into, I guess, more behind the scenes type of thing. When you're taking pictures, for example, from managers or agents, or maybe even from actors, sometimes, uh, what what's something that you, I guess, look for that's a good pitch? And I know everyone's different about this. And but do you prefer emails and phone calls, both or neither? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's tricky. Um, let me think. If I release a breakdown when I release a breakdown, um, I typically, I'll go through everything on the breakdown. 
Um, mm -hmm. I don't mind like an agent emailing and saying, Hey, I've submitted my clients. Here are four of my highlights. I'd really love to highlight or put extra attention on. Yeah. I don't mind that. Like I'll, I'll do that. And you know, I'll see a note usually from agent or manager that like that kind of highlights specific people and then says, you know, please be sure to take a look at everybody else. Like they're, you know, they're all wonderful. Um, and then, and then usually that's helpful. Sometimes I'll go there and then I'll go to the, the manager's tab and then I'll, I'll look at their, their clients that I don't mind. Um, and especially if your client happens to have something recent that just doesn't exist on the breakdowns yet. Um, I don't mind those. Like if an agent or manager says, Hey, I submitted so-and-so on breakdowns, but this new clip just came in. I'd love for you to see it. it's recent. It's not included on actors access yet. I don't mind that. Um, phone call pitches really don't go a long way for me because it's just a lot of, they just did this and this and this, but I don't have like the visual. I don't have, you know, um, email for me is the best because with the phone call, what happens is when, when an agent or manager is straight to the point and says, um, Hey, I submitted so-and-so, you know, they're in your submissions. I'd love for you to take a look. They just did book this and this, and they're amazing. Um, for me, it, you know, it's up, like, I have to like jot it down at that point, you know, and then remember to go and do it. And sometimes I'm getting off that phone call and jumping into a session. Yeah. So it, I think the, the translation of things, because we're working at such a fast pace, it could get lost where with an email, it's the photos there, the infos there. And, you know, I can quickly go from there to the submission and take a look. You know, so, yeah, it, makes, it makes more sense too. like visually you can at least like if you send an email, you can like maybe list some reason like a specific skill before, for example, like let's say the character has to be able to play tennis and maybe that wasn't really highlighted on the break that or the uh, exactly. submission. Or you could put like, hey, here's a clip of him playing tennis and exactly. he, he college or pro tennis, like stuff like that. I think, yeah, that makes sense that that would help. It does. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, and then sometimes it just becomes too much when, you know, every agent or manager they're submitting plus sending that email follow-up. It's just double duty. It's just too, too much. So unless it's like for a specific reason, like it's, if you're really, you're submitting all your clients or all the ones that you feel are right, but there are just those two or three that you're like, they are standouts, like really keep an eye on yep. these three. I, like I, I'll take a look at those and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like I, and then it, it gears yeah. me towards your office to take a look at everybody else too. All right, I did, see that part's interesting. I didn't even know you guys did that sometimes where, uh, where you see a pitch or you see like one or two eyes and then you look at the whole client list basically. Yeah, yeah. We can go and search for your agency and we just see everybody that you submitted for the project in general. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So switching gears, doing a 180 here, what are some things that, um, that you do to keep a work-life balance? Because um, you, know, you obviously get a million emails a day and, and, and it's almost like a seven days a week thing. Um, I don't have an off switch. I'm currently working on that. I'm, yeah. I blame it on being a Capricorn. Like I just love to work. It's my happy place. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I come home, I look at emails, I respond. It, it never feels like work. Like I've never, ever complained about having to work. Like I just love it. So my husband's like, you need to calm down, <laughs> you know, but he's so supportive. We've been together for 13 years, so he knows what he's in for. But he um, is so I think having that support is helpful and in a sense also makes me kind of stop and, you know, reevaluate how I'm balancing things. 
Uh, and especially with a kid on the way and everything, I, yeah, I, I, I'm using this time to try to more so like navigate it all and um, appreciate the downtime outside of, you know, the hustle bustle. So yeah. I don't have, I don't have a work life balance in place yet. I'm kind yeah. of just going to have to be forced to create one. Really. Yeah. Family, sure. <laughs> what's something that like you like to do that's when you're not working, for example, or even now during Corona when there's a lot more free time. Well, well, you go, I know you're going through like, like 10,000 reels, obviously, but you see, I can't turn it off. <laughs> I'm always doing something. <laughs> um, you know what? It, that's something I, it's like a personal, uh, thing that I've, I'm always trying to discover for myself. Cause I just don't know. Um, so it, it was a thing when this, everything happened and shut down. I was like, what am I into? What are my hobbies? I don't know. I, I paint, I'll paint here and there and I just do it for fun. And everyone says I'm like really talented at that. I don't see it. I just do it for fun. So I don't know, maybe that's something I'm not tapping into, you know, serious enough. Um, I want, I love whiskey. So I'm like, maybe I should be a cocktail maker and like create my own drinks. I don't, but I just don't dive into what else is, you know, like fulfills me in a way, like hobby wise or activity wise. Um, I love sports, but I just don't go out. I don't know. So it, it is something um, that I think that has been a beneficial thing of all of this kind of shutting down. It's making me have to really think about what else do I enjoy outside of yeah, watching I think that's that's been a nice thing for almost all of us, I think, to also like figure out what else do I enjoy, what else can like give like fulfills me. I know for act, especially for actors too, that like the whole life's usually acting, and now it's just like, what do I do? And it's like everyone's like find these other creative outputs, which is kind of nice. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's been a, an upside to to this in a way, and it forces you to have to take a break if if you were such a workaholic and that's all you do and think about it makes you reevaluate um, just that, that work-life balance. It sounds like, for at least from what you're saying, I'll see you're a little bit of a workaholic. And, but it, like, it sounds like you don't get, like, I guess, very much overwhelmed or anything. I know some people do because it's such a hectic industry, and it doesn't sound like you get overwhelmed or really even that anxious about it. I don't. I, I'm, I don't know what it is about me or what experiences in life led me to it, but I really don't get stressed when it comes to work. Like, um, you know, I've had my moments for sure when I was an assistant, I, what I, I have to go to the bathroom because I feel like I was going to cry because it was just too much. I've had those moments, but um, I, I don't know. I think I've always been proud of like in a, the most hectic situation, I've been so proud of like not appearing chaotic you know like I would never like to anyone to know how busy I am like I just like to it'll all work out it'll get done so then I just have to figure it out so I do have a really good sense of control emotionally with that I, I don't get anxious and I don't freak out um so yeah I I don't know I I think it's it's definitely not something it's something I expect in people I'm seeing more and more it's unusual that I have that approach um, but I think it's been so beneficial for actors because they don't ever come in and see that I'm stressed out or see that I have to close these five deals while they're reading. I feel like it's my job to shut them out from that stress completely. It's like not their problem and um, not wear it on my sleeve and let them focus on make them comfortable. Um, so I think that's a big part of that casting directors need to 
kind of hone that in and not make it so visible. And I, I think, you, yeah, I think you need to, especially on the casting side. And it sounds like you're kind of in the perfect career for you because it's like a very natural fit for you to like not feel that. It just it sounds like you almost like love chaos because you like stay calm in it. You know what I mean? I function so better with chaos. Yeah. When things are slow yeah. and smooth, that's when I drop the ball and that's when I, I'm like, I forget things. But, um, and, and my, uh, my former mentor used to always say that to me, he would, I would be so slammed and so busy and he would ask me to do something so mundane. And I would look at him like, really? <laughs> like I have a million things I'm doing. And the, the go-to quote would, he would say, you know, the best person to, if you need to get something done quick, the best person to ask is the busiest person, you know? Yeah. So true. Cause well. they're just on it. But then if I had nothing going on and I was asked to do something, it'd probably take me two days to do it. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> you know, that's so true. And I feel like that's been like, I felt that the most because it's been difficult during this quarantine because it's so calm and there's so much free time. Sometimes it's been tough to like, just get some basic things done. And, yes. and just like, this feels like so much willpower just to get some shit done. You know, it, it's, weird it is very weird if I, I sometimes I just have that one thing to do I have that one appointment to go to or I have that one thing and my whole day revolves around that you know yes I have that on the daily basis <laughs> one of the things that I'm just like it's at 3 p.m and it's like 9 a.m in the morning like oh I can't do anything until 3 p.m <laughs> everything seems like such a task and there are days where all I had to do that day is make this one phone call and go grocery shopping and it's just too much sometimes I'm like yeah. I can't. <laughs> that's been how it's been for this whole quarantine like so i'll have like a laundry day and i'll be like busy day today, laundry today. i gotta, gotta save myself <laughs> it's so true <laughs> but when i have like five things stacked all of a sudden i'm like wow i you know i have all these things to do i'm like duh, 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 duh. you know it's fine yeah. and you, awesome. just, you just knock them out quick too i've noticed that too like when it's been more busy and it's like five six things and i get started all of a sudden like two three hours knock them all out and you're like oh how did i get that done so quickly <laughs> yeah i love hearing that we're all in the same boat <laughs> that's actually funny um is there anything like has there ever been a time in your career or an apparent failure that ended up setting you for success later on or in a perceived failure that you thought at the time was tough but you're glad it happened um i, I think my biggest failure was is I was casting this independent movie and um, we did like an open call situation and it was so overwhelming. So many people showed up and it was just handled so poorly. And that was a learning lesson for me because the, the turnaround. So pretty much um, it was a wonderful, wonderful, kind director who um, it just wasn't, the turnaround wasn't realistic. We had to cast, I think eight lead roles, in three days and start filming. And in my gut, I knew I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. And then the plan was to do three days of like just full open calls. And we would find those eight people within that. And he, you know, booked out a banquet hall and like all this stuff. And I just, I, I was so used to just appointments and the structured approach of like filtering. And I, I just, I think I was just too, new in a way where I, w I just wasn't comfortable being vocal and going against 
his plan, um, it turned into pure chaos. It was embarrassing. It was, it was just a horrible turnout. Um, at one point I got an email from actor saying that, you know, he was so excited for the audition and just seeing like all the people, it it was along the lines of like, he wanted to quit because it was such a bad experience. And that made me feel horrible. And I just gave him this whole email just saying, please don't like let this experience be it. Like it was like a huge, you know, cluster, you know, um, F word, but it, it was just horrendous. And I, I think it, it needed to happen. Cause I think at that point I've just been so much more vocal about the process, about what's realistic and what's not realistic. Um, and that I would just never do that ever again, you know, just very careful. That, that, I think that in casting has felt like my biggest failure as a casting director is having, letting that happen. Um, but that's been it really. And then I think the transition, you know, when I moved out here for acting and to transition to casting, that may have seemed like a failure to people, you know, especially back at home. And I received so many like calls when I was telling friends and they were not supportive in a sense of they, they saw it as a way of like failing, you know, like you wanted to be an actress, you moved out there for this. So I think that that failure was like, I learned to just always stick to your gut. Nobody in your life knows what's right for you more than you do. Um, They think they do and it might not make sense to them and you just have to go for it. Cause if I listened to them, I would have wasted another six years doing something I didn't really love. And um, just to appease the idea that I moved out here and I'm still doing it. Just, just that story and the advice. And it's also a little ironic because most people say, oh, don't do acting, go do anything else but acting. And then all your friends are saying, go do acting, not anything else. Um, yeah. But what I really loved about that was, again, just trusting your gut because there's so many, not just actors, but many people who do anything in the arts for that matter, get told by their parents or their friends or family, go do a stable career. And and it just seems like you kind of trust your gut and and, from an early age, actually, it seems like you kind of knew what you wanted, and that you know, that's actually really cool. And and I don't really know where I'm going with this, honestly, but I'm <laughs> contemplating a lot of things right now. Yeah, I, I think no matter what it is, whether it's you know to get into the industry or to get out of the industry, like no matter what it is, it's just like whatever feels right to you. You know, I've had friends who moved out here to be a director, and now you know they're a paramedic living in Texas, and that's just what made them happy and to them it wasn't quitting it was to them like discovering what they really want you know so I think just yeah I'd never feel pressured with whatever decisions you make in life like stick to it if you want to stick to it and if it like is it's really your ambition and your goal in life but don't ever stick to something just to appease kind of you know other other people and piggybacking off that question here's a question I'd like to ask everyone like if there was any other career you could ever see yourself in could be a rock star or anything like that like what would it be it's nothing i don't know um i love animals like i really really love animals to an unhealthy condition like i just i love them so much i think they're just so pure so maybe something in like the medical like a vet or um i i always grew up thinking i'd want to be a dolphin trainer but now i would never because i'm like (laughs) you're captivating them like they need to be in the ocean so i'd never want to do that now uh, so maybe something to do with animals. Um, if I could have all the money in the world, I'd have like a sanctuary for animals. 
Um, and then I've always been intrigued by like, and I've never tried this, so I'm probably horrible at it, but just a, a hair makeup artist. Um, interesting. Yep. Yeah, I always really love that. Like, I think, you know, if I ever, I never even dabbled into it in my life, but if I was good at it and I discovered that, it'd be fun to, I think, do that for film, movies, musicals and yeah. stuff. But outside of that, not not much. I don't know. That's a good one. Uh, the animals, uh, I like that one. Because that's true. I feel like there is more of it's like It's like kids. Like it's, I like kids a lot. Like Because they have such a purity to them. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. innocence. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and so that have, too. Maybe with kids. We have one more. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, we have one more question for you. Um, what's some something that if you were giving actors advice or something that you would want to tell them what's something that you'd like to say even just in general or during this time um i think i think in maybe in general let's say let's say towards like their career it's to like one which we already mentioned earlier oh, yeah. is to not get so lost am i okay or am i glitching Am I frozen? Glitching a little, but I think. Oh. Yeah, I? just a little bit, but now I, now I hear you. But on your side, okay. it'll still record purely. So okay, fine. perfect. Um, so I think I think the idea of not getting so wrapped up in little details here and there, if that makes sense, you know, I, I think I, I get so many texts or calls from even actor friends that ask me questions, like so many just specific details about their self-tape setup or the reel and all these little things where you can tell it's stressing them out and it's so unnecessary. Like really, I don't know. I think the only thing to, that you have control over, which is the most important thing is um, the acting. So I think I, I don't understand when I talk to an actor and they say they don't have a coach, they don't have, they're not training anywhere. Like I don't get it. I, because it's like the most important part of the career. So I think everybody should constantly be training, constantly be sharpening that. Nobody's going to be perfect. You know, I remember when I moved out here, I was doing this class and Charlize Theron was auditing in the back. She doesn't need to do that, but she feels that she does. Like she just, you know, even at, at how successful she is and how talented she is, she knew she could benefit from watching people do work and just... And I, so I don't understand when there's actors who are still growing and still trying to build the reel when they don't have that go-to class or school to keep challenging them. And um, again, yeah. it's like, it's really one of the few things you have full control over. So why not take full advantage of just constantly trying to be the best? Um, so I would say just focus on that. Don't stress about everything else. And, and then on the stress front with everything happening now, it's, you know, we can only do so much with, we, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. We don't know when things are going to open up again. Um, no. so I, I think this is also saying it out loud for myself too. It's, um, enjoying the downtime as much as you can, um, handle your personal stuff that you need to do don't stress, you know, a lot of the casting directors with like my real request and other casting directors doing self tape challenges, monologue challenges, all this stuff that's out there. Like don't feel obligated to do it. Don't feel like your career is going to tank or you're not. I, I think, you know, there are people that can make it, turn it into stress. Like I'm not keeping up and the deadline, like now's not the time for anyone to stress. 
So I, you know, I think these opportunities that casting people are putting out, it's really just for people who could really utilize it. If, if, you know, they're just feeling creative, but don't know how to do anything with it. It's a great tool to have and to exercise, but I'm just, I'm meeting a lot of people too, who are stressing over all of these things being put out there. And I hate that. And I'm like, don't, don't do it then. Like, don't you like the purpose of, you know, all these casting directors doing it isn't to make anyone stress out. So if it's just not for you and you, you're not in a creative place right now, cause you're dealing with bills and you're dealing, don't worry about it. And, um, yeah, I, I just think just stay mentally healthy and it'll all work itself out. But yeah, that, 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 that's really great advice. I, I really love uh, to keep released or wrong. Wrong. I never know how to say her name, but um, I think that's so true because if you look at like Michael Jordan, he's the best in the, world, in the world and he was known to train more than one else. So it's like, it's like anything. you have to keep mastering it and getting better and better, even if you're the best. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's like, why not try to be the best? You know, there are some TV shows and networks out there that don't require the best acting <laughs> and there's, there are those, but why? Oh, hello. Hey. Did you get disconnected? It, yeah. It, it, wow. it, it's, yeah, it kind of started disconnect. That's weird. We've never had that happen before. That's a new one. Yeah. Like it booted you out completely. So I was talking to myself for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, like just booted it off and restarted. We didn't even boot back in; it just restarted automatically. We'll cut all that out. But yeah, um, yeah. you were—I don't know how it'll record on your end, but it was really glitchy when you were talking all around Michael Jordan. I, I didn't get a lot of that. But oh, um, gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, yeah, the big thing was just—I think the most important thing you said, and this is such. I mean, there's so much going around actors that they got to do stuff with reels and they got to do on the business side that it really does to remind them to get back down to the craft becoming yes. the absolute best actor you can be, that, you could, that when you have your chance, you can give it 100%, you can put excellent work in, and, 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 and that's really what it's about. And especially in LA, it's such a business as well that it's so easy to get caught up in everything. You gotta have a sizable social media following, you gotta have the best reel, you gotta have all, all like 20 different headshots from 20 different photographers and everything, um, just to kind of get you know, back into the, you know, value the craft the most. Yeah. And you know, that's also just not it. Like, um, the social media, again, it depends on what you're going for, you know? Cause I, I know I don't, I don't really know, but I feel like a lot of the following comes from, you know, maybe like CW shows or teeny bop shows or where they're looking for the hot, new, fresh, edgy character person. Then maybe having a following is helpful. Um, I can't personally contribute to that cause it, and every single project I've ever worked on followers has never, ever been a conversation. It's always right. just about the actor and what they do in the room. Um, but I do know that that world exists in the entertainment industry for sure. Um, but yeah, and, and again, have two to three solid pictures. That's it. Have a reel yeah. that just highlights your best stuff and that's it. Have, you know, if you're going to have a website, crisp, clean photo link to your reel. Every, it's so simple. Like just to keep it, you know, crisp, clean, fresh to the point and professional. And you don't need to get bogged down with 
you know, I have to have 20 looks with, I have to show I can be a doctor. I have to show I can be a paramedic. You don't need all those headshots or, you know, you, you can literally, you can capture that with like three photos, like just find three that are pretty broad in a sense that I can see, okay, this person can be a professional or blue collar, you know? Um, yeah. I, so I, I think, I think all of that is made to seem harder than it really should be. Um, and actors, and I feel like they feel like there is that gate and that separation with casting directors and actors and that we don't want you in. And, um, it's so not the case. It's, we, like, I want actors to understand that we are so desperate for skilled, talented actors. Like we're incredibly desperate for it. When we meet someone, we hold on to them because they make our job and our life easier. Um, so I think if when actors realize that, then they, it just makes the process easier too. Cause then it comes down to just the acting, <laughs> you know, it's like, we need you to kill it. We want you to come in and let us check Mark. Okay. That role is done. We can move on to the next 20, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we do, I keep a database. I, I hold on to actors who make my life easier. Um, if I have a quick turnaround, I have my 15, 20 people who I know are talented or professional will deliver in the room. And yeah. when I don't have time to explore for a certain part, I go to those people and I bring them in. I just have to pray that they're available and you know, that's yeah. really it. So that's, that's all you can really do. And I think just realizing that we need you so bad, like we need yeah. you, um, that hopefully motivate actors to realize how much control they have too. Yeah. It's, it's a much, it's a much healthier mindset too, to, to go in as an actor, like thinking they also need me instead of like, I'm desperate to, for them to take me. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, we, we need actors like no other. I mean, like I said, I've watched so far, I've watched over 3000 reels and my database of highlights, it's like 500 people. You know, so just so many people say they want to do it, but just don't take it serious enough and they're not there yet. Um, I, so actors should not be intimidated by their competition at all. Like when it comes down to it, it's very, very minimal with your age range, your type and all of that. It really is a small amount. Um, so the only thing you can do is just be on your A game every time you go in because yeah. then you'll, you will be fine like you're gonna leave an impression and it just takes you know it sometimes we've had people come in four or five times for different projects and parts and they just didn't nail it or you know or you know it just went a different whatever they just didn't get the part but we still love them as an actor so yeah. that's all you can really do until you finally just get it yeah and that's great that's great advice honestly for all actors and something for them to keep in mind uh, well, we want to thank you for coming on. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I feel like there's a lot of stuff here that was very helpful and that Again. I need to hear. Uh, and then we're also looking forward to whenever things do get going, that uh, we'll see your projects, we'll see what, what's coming out, and that we can all hopefully meet in person again at some point, but that might still be a little bit while. Hopefully in the next year, but I guess we'll, uh, we'll all wait and see. Yeah, no, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. It was so nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Yes, have a good rest of your Wednesday. You too. I'll be too. And cut. <laughs> All righty. Well, okay. Thank you guys. That was great. So much. That was so good. great. Good. 
I really love the um, the specific advice. So that's totally why we did yeah. this with casting directors because like it's it, I've been myself to like every business of acting class in LA and there's so much conflicting information. It gets so stressful to, to yeah. do the things that you need to be doing. And it, I mean, it is like, you could literally spend eight hours a day doing only the business side of it. And the next thing you know, you know, you start, you should work less on your craft because you have all this business side stuff. And, and if there's anything I've learned out of interviewing multiple people the last like two months is just like, get back into craft. Yeah. Enjoy it to begin with, which is like, it's so every office is going to have, cause even like when it comes to your preference on how a reel should look and all this stuff, it's like, it's different for every casting office. And then even within that office from the casting directors to associate to assistant, they're all each going to have a different preference. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, don't nitpick the details. It's like, just, you know, like legit at the end of the day, when we're all done watching a reel, we all have the same reaction. Either that person was strong or they're just not there yet, you know? So it doesn't matter. Everything else doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I mean, my friend, my really good friend, Angela Rulusu, whose name is splattered all over her, um, she, she was sharing, there was like, um, there was a casting director that was requesting self-tapes for actors to submit like a, a it was kind of like a monologue situation, you know? Yeah. And I, I didn't know who this person was, but um, it was, it was horrible. It was like the, the requests and the, the guidelines of like how to submit it and it needs to be this size, your font, you know, here's, do a slate. It needs to be this font size. It needs to be like this and like that and like that. I'm like, what are you doing to people? You know, so I, there are just people out there that just get ridiculous with rules and it's it, confusing. And it is, you know, well, it gets tiring for it, gets like not fun anymore. It. You know, it gets tiring. I know for me, like, I lost a lot of my desire to craft the year and a half that I spent so much on the business side of it my marketing materials, reels, going to all this different stuff. And like, you start doing so much that you like lose the artistic side of it and like. I almost got burned out with acting because like I wasn't actually acting as much anymore. And it's, yeah. uh, and so that's actually been the great part now about this, this last like couple months doing all this stuff, just getting back to that. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to see it. And like I said, I'll get texts from friends that, you know, this casting director is doing a self tape competition and, Oh, are they, are they going to think I'm amateur because I didn't have this lighting and I couldn't get this backdrop and should it be this cloth or that cloth? I'm like, who cares? I'm like, what do you have? You know? And, and I was like, they're not, they're only going to think you're amateur. If you give an amateur performance, like it doesn't matter. Um, so it is just so interesting to see more of like what people are stressing over. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's just, it's so unnecessary. Um, but I, I get yeah, it. it. I get it. it because people profit off of making things seem so it has to be this way. It, they, you know, yeah, these actors just a lot of times don't really have a lot of control over their careers. So there's so many people that you say, oh, you have to do this, this and this because it gives you some semblance of control over your career, maybe even though it's probably an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think, yeah, I really think it's people profiting off of like, this is the right way versus the wrong way. And there really isn't like I have yeah. like when I was doing this real stuff, you know, there are people who. There's a preference for sure when I see an email and it has like the photo, a little blurb, and a link. You know, I love it. I'm like, cool. But you know, and there are some people who just send me an email. They're like, hey, thanks, have a good day, and that's it. And it's like a link. So you know, yeah. I'm just like, what the heck? But when yeah. I look at the, when I watch the reel and they're like, just like so good, it doesn't matter. 
I don't care. I won't, you know, I don't care that they didn't have a whole fancy intro. Um, so yeah, I think everything just goes away if, you know, once the, when the acting speaks for itself. Yeah. It it really is just kind of that simple. And, and I, casting is in the same boat with acting. Like we don't have full control of our career. We rely on getting our work from producer friends, directors, and I've, I've lost out to two huge jobs last year that would have changed my career as a casting director. I lost out to it because I knew a producer on both of them, but the other bigger producer had their go-to person, you know? So then they went with that casting director. Um, So we're all in it. We're all like, you know, in the grind trying to get that next thing. So we, none of us have control over our career. Even directors don't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that's that's so true. Like it, it's the same for all of us. It's the same for managers and agents too. It's like you can get people in the room or whatever, but you're still dependent completely on the actor booking it. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. be perfect. Still depend. You all depend on each other in a lot of ways. You know. We really do. And then, if anything, with actors, I feel like it's almost. I know it's not going to feel this way at all, but I feel like it's easier. You know, it's easier to to be seen. You are you're given so many more opportunities. Um, so with casting, like, how do I promote myself? You know, like besides the work that I've done, I I have to have the experience for them to say, oh, she was easy to work with and she was so collaborative and she shared a lot of wonderful ideas and challenged me. The only way I can get that feedback is through some, like getting the job and how do I get that job? You know? So it's so much harder to showcase what I could do. And like, and you, it's, it's so much more relation, like, relationship building than anything else because mm-hmm. no audition process for you guys you know what i mean no there's no way to we have our interview but it's just not the same it's not it, like there's no way it's so um you you know everyone has their own opinions when it comes to good acting so it goes beyond your taste in acting sometimes um and then with writers especially forget it like writers have they spend months creating a story and then how do you get someone to sit for an hour and read your work you know like that's the only way you can showcase yourself and getting that attention from someone isn't impossible um directors are the same it's like for directors to showcase their stuff you have to gather a whole team you have to gather your dp you have to like you know so i don't know i think that's one thing to make it mentally easier for actors in a way is to like realize like the possibility of like it, you know, it's just so much easier to showcase what you can do because you could just have that amazing self taper monologue. I didn't even think of it that way, honestly. You know, thinking <laughs> about else, like, well, you know, of course, you, you know, as an actor, you have a very myopic view about everything, about everything from the actor perspective, which is so, which is why it's been great, great interviewing everyone. Um, but just, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, it's so tough as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I know. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I know it feels so real because I was in it. I'm like, this is impossible. But, um, but yeah, when you really kind of compare to every other position in the industry, like you have such a leg up, like you visually can put yourself out there so much quicker and show what you have and show who you are yeah. in a click of a second. And within 30 seconds, someone can easily see like, wow. Even okay, with cool. like a simple tape. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I well, feel thanks like- so much again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh- Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on new episodes every week. Check out our show notes for our contact info and social media and hit us up with any questions you may have. 